if we are quarret, then we should commence. This is absolutely bonkers, peddlers. I don't even know how to kick off this stream, apart from saying that this is a much needed kick up the backside as far as F1's concerned. Lewis Hamilton will be a Scuderia Ferrari driver as of 2025, and it is chaos. What's going on, Corey? Henron, my guy. I feel like long time no speak, Henron. Um, little grey squirrel. Little grey squirrel. You guys are legends. I'm grateful to each and every single one of you, man, for, for joining these streams. But today we've got to get straight into it. This is going to be a diatribe on Lewis Hamilton, a bit of a deep dive explaining causation. We've seen a lot of videos and people are talking about the shock and reacting in real time. But I've heard very little on why this has happened. So I'm going to try and cover that in today's video. We will go for 45 minutes or less. I promise, fingers crossed, I'll try and do the good, responsible chairmanship today. Quick, Scott, what's going on? You guys are killing me, man. Rayhan, excited. Me too, Rayhan. And that segues very nicely. I'll do the review thing first and uh, my reactions. 22 of you watching concurrently. Great for each and every single time ad infinitum to, to, to you all. It, the mind boggles while you guys come and, and watch and listen to me ramble on about all things F1. But listen, we've got some things to talk about. So I reacted to it. My initial reaction was, good on you, Lewis. Good on you, mate. Good on you. Because F1 is ultimately a, a selfish game. Lewis Hamilton is 39, will be 40 next year by the time he steps in that red Scuderia Ferrari, which still seems crazy that I'm saying that, that that's a real thing. Sometimes you've got to rub your eyes a little bit. It, it, it does feel mad. I will fess up to that. But you guys have seen the video on the Mothership channel. I, I stated my opinion there for the avoidance of doubt. Lewis Hamilton is 39, 40 years old. A lifetime is a finite resource, never more finite than when you're dealing with the upper echelons, the highest level of the, the, the greatest motorsport formula in the world. It's got a maximum of five years, let's say. And if it's his dying dream to drive for that Scuderia Ferrari team, as he's alluded to many times previous, 2019, he said, when he was at bloody McLaren, he was talking about this. This isn't something that's gone away. This isn't a, a flash in the pan type desire from Sir Lewis, Carl Davidson, Hamilton. He's always talked about this. Anthony Hamilton too. He's expressed that, listen, they started their career collectively in Italy and they'd like to finish it there. This isn't some flash in the pan type desire. He hasn't gone there for the money. This is a deep seated desire from seven time champion Sir Lewis Hamilton. He's always thought about this. He has always harboured aspirations to drive in that red car. And if you're going to broaden it out, which one of those 20 drivers currently on the grid wouldn't say the same if they're being truthful? In their mind's eye, everybody wants to drive for Ferrari because all the greats have them. Even Senna, just before his tragic passing, had harboured aspirations to drive in the red car. Prost, Fangio, Loud, they've all been in there. I can't hate it, peddlers. I will confess, I do not hate this move for Sir Lewis Hamilton. Plus, Mercedes haven't given him the materials right. He's one of the greatest drivers that I've ever seen. And I've said for the longest time, whether it's Lewis, Alonso, 
Max, I want to say the best drivers in the best cars. He's given away 24 months worth of his career to be in a car that had no no chance of competing with Max Verstappen for a championship. And that's not good enough. But I don't think that's the reason why Sir Lewis Hamilton left. I think that alone by itself he would have tolerated because we know F1, there's no, nobody has a God-given right to design a brilliant car. Not even the likes of Adrian Newey because he's made mistakes before. He designed the McLaren that couldn't even bloody drive. It was so unsafe. All of the best make mistakes. That in and of itself isn't a reason for Sir Lewis Hamilton to leave. The red car, though, is an absolute, absolutely a pull factor. We know for a fact George Russell maybe played a part. I don't think George Russell is an easy ride for anybody to be a teammate alongside, but I think that in and of itself isn't why Sir Lewis Hamilton left. Here's why. He wanted that ambassadorial role, didn't he? Sir Lewis, Carl Davidson, Hamilton. He wanted that ambassadorial role. A guarantee that long after his career had finished, he'd be getting paid by Mercedes to continue doing the good work as far as diversity, building the brand. And he's already done fantastic work as far as building that Mercedes AMG Petronas brand. I was saying to Baxter and Chez earlier today of the shakedown that that Mercedes brand, especially in around London, every bit, back in the day it was BMW. Back in my day, it was the M car. That was the car to have. Now, you take a look, do a bit of first-hand research, particularly in the UK around London. The it car is Mercedes, whether that's a C-Class, an E-Class, but they're all, AMGs are, are popular like they never were 20 years ago. And you could argue that, okay, so that's partially Mercedes and building really, really good fashionable cars. But you could argue that Lewis Hamilton has absolutely had a hand in making that brand exponentially cooler than it was 10, 15 years ago, 100%. So was Lewis deserving of that ambassador role that the Mercedes board denied him? After having won seven drivers' championships with Mercedes, being instrumental in building the brand, Hamilton Commission, Project 44, and all that other good stuff that he's doing as far as diversity, I can see, if I put my loose Hamilton cap on, for a second, I could see why Lewis Hamilton would be aggrieved at the fact that he's getting paid all this money. He's adding all this value to the Mercedes brand. And yet the guys in the boardroom fail to give him his, his just desserts. They don't want him in that ambassadorial for whatever reason. Maybe it's age. Maybe the face doesn't fit. Whatever the reasoning. Can you imagine Lewis Hamilton hearing that news? Hold on. Seven time champion done all this good stuff for Mercedes. The brand looks very differently without my input. And now you're going to deny me an ambassadorial role. All right, take that. So that's your first strike. Second strike for Sir Lewis Hamilton. It's a t and this is a techie one. Peddlers, super, super techie. I'm going to run through all of these and I promise I'll get to your comments at the end. But this needs covering because it's a bit forensic. Needs a bit of time, this. As your first strike, no, ambassador, no ambassadorial role for Sir Lewis Hamilton. Your second strike from Lewis Hamilton perspective. Now he's 39. This is a bit techy. If you can, if for those of you that are soccer fans, football fans, if that's any high level sports, when these guys get to this sort of age, it's not convention to trot out multi-year contracts. You, you, you reserve those for the young bucks, right? The 26-year-old Charles Leclerc. And even then... 
not rolling out these big 10-year deals anymore. Not, there are no lifetime contracts. So with that in mind, does it make sense if you are Toto Wolff to give Lewis Hamilton seven championships notwithstanding, brand building notwithstanding, a multi-year deal with Kimi Antonelli waiting in the wings potentially? Albon too? Esteban Ocon too? Does it make sense to pay this dude upwards of 60, 70 million pounds a year for, for two, three years at 40 years old? It's a rhetorical question, peddlers. Genuinely, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to it. I understand, I will say this, I understand why traditionally sports franchises, when their franchise players get to that age, it's one year rolling deals, right? One year plus the one year option. That makes sense just because father time is undefeated and you kind of want to, especially if you think about Toto Wolf, how corporate minded he is, how strategic he is. His focus will be on building the brand for the next 10 years. And obviously, due to the fact that Lewis Hamilton is 40 years old, he will only be a part of that plan, not the plan entire. Toto Wolf is thinking about Kimi Antonelli, Alex Albon, Esteban Ocon, and potentially over that next 10 years. And this is why I said in the video that you have a mismatch as far as their strategic priorities. Lewis wants to get back within the next three years. Toto Wolf's time horizon is 10 to 15 years. He's a board member, a majority minor shareholder. He owns 50% alongside Jim Ratcliffe, doesn't he? These guys are thinking long-term. 10 years probably might be under-regging it. They're thinking 15, 20, 25 years down the line. And Lewis Hamilton, sadly for Lewis Hamilton fans around the world, and Mercedes fans, and F1 fans to a certain extent, can't factor into that because father time is undefeated. Toto Wolf's gaze, his focus has to be on the next one, the next Max, the next Lewis Kimi Antonelli. And he might be the guy. Let's see how he gets on in F2. It's his second strike. No multi-year deal. No ambassadorial role. Third strike. Strike card. This is more of a, a pull factor than a push. Elkin. John Elkin, C CEO of Ferrari, picks up the phone. And, and bearing in mind to set the table of this, they've always been in contact. Because Lewis, again, has never been shy expounding upon his desire to seat in that red car one day. Elkin, Ferrari CEO, has always been in contact along with Frederick Reserka, who also has a relationship with Lewis Hamilton, by the way, at ART in GP2 back in the day. And now at F3, Frederick Reserka managed Lewis Hamilton. So you could argue that this is all part of a big plan. Frederick Reserka was the first step in that. Get him on board. And that increases exponentially your chances of securing Lewis Hamilton because they have this relationship. Lest we forget, peddlers, the F1 is a people-focused business. People and relationships get these deals across the line. Would Sir Lewis Hamilton have gone over to Scuderia Ferrari 2025 but for Fred Vasseur and, and John Elkin picking up the phone and making these calls every single weekend? Who knows? This is all hypothetical alchemy. Who knows? We'll never know, right? Slide indoors. But I'll tell you this much. Freddie Vasseur and John Elkin were instrumental in getting Sir Lewis across to Scuderia Ferrari. Here's why. Relationships already in tow with Frederick Vasseur. Freddie is a 
racing man's team principal. He gets it. Couple of engineers have gone across. Loic, what's his name? And again, those guys had the same ideas about the the line of least resistance as far as the Mercedes design philosophy was. They disagreed two years ago on the direction. Mercedes put all of their eggs in the bloody hyper performance curve basket. Brilliant car. If it's a full moon, one Sunday a month <laughs> around tracks that are a high altitude at the right temperature. Car works brilliantly once every 365 days. And that's, that's not the way you build a racing car, right? You need to build a sound foundation around the, the medium to high speed corners because that's what that's the that's the most frequently occurring type of track type of corner on the calendar in 2024 they didn't do that did they? they didn't listen to lewis and they didn't listen to a couple of their engineers said engineers have moved over to scuderia ferrari there you've got another pull factor these guys listen to me says lewis hamilton they heard me we were singing from the same design philosophy hymn sheet They've gone across the Ferrari now. They will, of course, listen to me when I get over there. If I do make the move, there you go. That's your that's your factor three. Exhibit E or whatever we're on. John Elkin kept on calling these guys right. Kept in contact with Anthony Hamilton. Again, Anthony Hamilton's no longer within the inner sanctum, the inner circle of Sir Lewis Hamilton's confidants. But you think Lewis doesn't listen to his dad still? You think Lewis doesn't take Anthony Hamilton's counsel still? It's his old man. And his old man was in touch frequently with the CEO of Ferrari because they realize here's where Ferrari are. They're just not, they're not just a car company anymore. That's I feel like Mercedes is still a, a sports car brand fundamentally. That's their fundamental constitution, right? Ferrari on the back of their quarterly results that they released on Thursday They've made it clear that they consider themselves a luxury brand. This isn't just about car stuff anymore. They're a luxury, all-encompassing brand. Clothes, yachts, cars. A lifestyle is what they're selling. And which one of those drivers on the grid today in February of 2024 represents a better proposition? Lewis Hamilton is the jewel in that marketing crown. If that's your purpose... As far as a company, your raison d'etre. If that's what you run about, then who better than Lewis Hamilton, the, the biggest mainstream star on the grid in 2024? Who better, what better acquisition is there to make? And so you break the bank if you're Scuderia Ferrari. And that's why I'm hearing they did. Lewis Hamilton's contract is anywhere up to 100 million US dollars a year, allegedly rumored how do you look away from that if you're going into like one of your last three seasons 100 mil i know mercedes weren't offering that i'll tell you that much probably offering another 55 mil one year plus what option to extend one year at 55 60 million and again built into that is the fact that father time is undefeated and Lewis is getting towards the end of his career cool take that that works but how about this offer that Mr. Alkins giving me CEO Ferrari 100 million USD because they understand the value in Sir Lewis, Lewis Hamilton's brand. Adjoin that to Ferrari, the most prestigious 
car company in the world. The, the only bloody entity that's been racing F1 since the first F1 race ever back in 1950 with Fangio and Firini and, and Ascari and all these boys like bloody Nora. It's bonkers. This is box office. Now I've pitched you the marketing piece. Just take a look at the numbers on YouTube. Listen, you would have seen an absolute explosion at this. The space has been flat to peddlers. Going into 2024, what were the what were the plot lines? What couldn't you what made you what kept you up at night thinking about 2024? What Max Verstappen's dominance again? And Max Verstappen is brilliant, but I how long can you stretch that plot line out? How many conversations are we going to have about the same bloody thing? Yeah, F1 needs spice and variables and, and, and story and uncertainty for, for the top places, doesn't it? Monotony and, and uh, surety, all these things, don't, they're not going to attract new eyes to the sport. So Liberty Media can do whatever they want as far as bloody overtaking and restricting the dirty. Like, they can do all these things and more sprint race weekends and, and the glitz and glamour of, of Las Vegas. But if the racing on track is monotonous if you know what's going to happen every single race weekend before sunday then you're going to go and do something else with your race weekend right this new story injects uncertainty and stakes and what's going to happen what's lewis going to look like in the red overalls what's it going to look like the first day of testing when lewis and shah rock up how is the relationship between lewis and shah going to play out What's it going to look like in 2024 when, when Lewis is still in the bloody Mercedes car? I hoped that they were going to expedite the deal and that it would be rocking into that Scuderia Ferrari car this year. Not going to happen. He's got a stay of execution, hasn't he? 12 more months in that Mercedes W15. What are the team orders going to look like? Because you know George is going to be pushing. You have, with this one story, all of these branch plot lines, it's absolutely insane. Peddlers, it is insane. And again, testament to that is the fact that it was soccer transfer deadline day in the UK that Thursday. Again, this is where all the big teams push through their marquee deals or not, as was the case this transfer deadline day. Nobody cared. The news headlines were dominated by this transfer by Lewis Hamilton fulfilling his dream and signing on with Scuderia Ferrari because it's bonkers, peddlers. It's absolutely insane, unfathomable. You could barely conceive of it unless apparently you're one Cameron F1. I've talked to the drivers. You put your Lewis Hamilton cap and you begin to understand the, the, the foundations, the drivers of this move. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like such a big surprise, does it? The money the dream, the aspirations, the marketing brand, the fact that he's probably going to get an ambassadorial role with Ferrari, the, the likes of which Mercedes weren't prepared to offer him. He gets his multi-year deal. He fulfills his dream of driving the red car. He's alongside Charles Leclerc, who for my money is a much easier teammate to deal with than George Russell. Okay, maybe faster than George Russell, but he's not as challenging strategically in real time in, in the race, is he? George Russell's always trying to play a joker and, and trying to leverage a, a strategic black swan at the last minute. Like it's, That's hard to deal with. Andy's fast. 
Charles Leclerc, I think, is an easier teammate to deal with. Plus, we talk about the dynamics of the car. Go on then. It's a faster car, isn't it? Not by much, but it is It is faster, or at least it was towards Q3, Q4 last season. They were picking at some, some momentum of Scuderia Ferrari. Charles Leclerc came on leaps and bounds as the handling dynamic of that red car came back towards him. If you're going to ask me, which one, if I'm trying to win a championship going into 2024, red car or black and silver car, I'm choosing the red car each and every single time. Let me put this to you as well as a hypothesis. Because winning championships is hard, right? Finding yourself in a winning car, you may as well roll a dot. You just need to roll a six. The expected value calc, there is a mismatch. You're, you're, you're buying lottery tickets. You've just got to hope and pray for a, a gazillion different things to come together. You need the car. You need the team operationally. You need to make the right decisions. You need the driver. And the driver needs to be at the peak of his game. There are about like five different things that need to... You, you need a confluence of them. They need to all happen in the same space to get you over the line over the course of a championship. And that's... that's in luck. There is a luck portion of that. However, let's assume... Let's play Debbie Downer for a second. Let's assume that Lewis Hamilton will never win another championship again. Let's assume that he will never win another race again because these are all possibilities, right? We don't know. My crystal ball is as murky as yours. If we assume that, if that's the assumptions that we're baking into this forecast, which car would you rather be in? Would you rather lose in that silver-roweled Mercedes or would you rather lose in that red Scuderia, Scuderia Ferrari car? Each and every single time, chaps, guys and girls, I'm losing in that red car. It's just much more glamorous. just ticks more boxes. I'm earning more money. I'm in, I'm in Marinello and not Brackley and Brixworth. The, the sun is be- It's just better. It's better on paper and it's better substantively. And these are the things you've got to factor in when you're understanding why Lewis has made this shock move, lest we forget. I've heard loads of people say, this is the biggest transfer in F1 history. Is it really? Remember 2012, when Lewis Hamilton was at McLaren, moved from McLaren, who again, prestigious, Nicky Lauda, Senna, Prost, 88-89. Lewis took the decision to leave a championship winning team in 2012, leaving McLaren and Ron Dennis and stability and loyalty and a favourable circumstance and money, left that team in 2012 to go over to Mercedes, who weren't a winning team at the time. Nobody's going to tell me. See, this is where I want to get the antics over aptitude ceases now on this channel, at least. I want to get to the core of the thing. Causation and the whys are really important. Nobody's going to tell me that a dude who is so risk-seeking, who cares so little for uncertainty as to be brave enough to make that move in real time, nobody's going to tell me that he didn't have that in his locker to move from Mercedes to Ferrari because it was a bigger surprise moving from McLaren to Mercedes. It was a bigger gamble. Mercedes were a losing team then. Okay, so they had one year that was successful underneath the umbrella banner that was Braun, but they were a losing team. That was a project that needed building. It was a safer bet at the time. Okay, for everybody can be wise after the event and do the Monday morning quarterback thing. Oh, with the benefit of hindsight, it was a great move to go across to Mercedes. 
I remember watching in real time, thinking that Lewis Hamilton had lost his mind. There's a very famous bit on Top Gear when Clarkson said, Clarkson, at the time, by the way, in real time, Clarkson puts it to Lewis Hamilton, who's a guest on the show, and says, listen, leaving McLaren to go across the bloody Mercedes at the time was like leaving Manchester United, a behemoth, a behemoth even, of international football and you and English football, one of the biggest clubs in the world, to go to like a minnow like Wickham Wanderers. You just don't do it. It's a very, very brave move. So if you have that DNA in you and are so prepared to take risk, if your shoulders are that broad as far as risk seeking, then of course, like making a move from Mercedes, who have been, let's be honest, a failing team over the past 24 months, sack off the previous eight constructors championship because f1 fundamentally is a game of what have you done for me lately especially when you're turning 39 40 years old different time horizons we're not talking to the the overall strategic horizon through which toto will view these decisions you can make an argument that toto's done the right thing from a mercedes perspective you can make that argument but i'm putting on my lewis hamilton cap it makes sense doesn't it it just makes sense. And I don't hate it, peddlers. I'm here for it. I wish that it could happen this year. <laughs> when I said 2025, initially, the reports were potentially they might expedite it and, and kick it off from 2024. Potentially. This is what they said. But I'm here for it, peddlers. I'm here for it. And I think it's injected this like zest and youthfulness back into F1. Much needed because it was getting stale. Now all of a sudden the Sky Sports F1 guys are coming clean before the, the narrative was like, oh, you've got to be fascinated at this Max Verstappen dominance. Brilliance doesn't come along too often. And if you if you don't, if you can't hook onto this narrative, then go and watch another sport. Now all of a sudden Lewis has injected this and YouTube and the space has gone mad and everybody's breathing new life into F1. Now all of a sudden Crofty and the lights of are saying, well, yeah, you know what? This was, this was a much needed breath of life into F1. So two things, two things, those two things can't be true concurrently, right? Um, I want to state this as well for the avoidance of doubt, how big this is. This is one of those moments when 10, 15 years down the line, people are going to say to you, where were you when when Lewis signed? When Where were you when you heard that news? Allah. JFK getting shot or princess that it was one of those one of those times isn't it shout out to my guy Nasher of quick stop f1 by the way go and watch that latest podcast if you haven't already um it was it was that big when I'm getting texts for friends that have from friends that I haven't heard from for like five to ten years what do you think about this Cameron then you know it's a mainstream thing right that's how humongous and material this news is f1 the phrase that comes to mind, a rising tide floats all ship. And this is exactly what that, that, that news has done. Nobody saw it coming, let's be honest. This is a rumour that kind of happens periodically, right? <laughs> Every six to nine months, you see the questions being pitched at Lewis. Oh, how do you fancy Ferrari? That's always been your dream. Are you going to be there next year, Lewis? And it almost became, we were, as F1 fans, we were almost a bit desensitised towards it, weren't we? It just became something when silly season kicks off, you will get the you will get the annual rumour mill 
about Sir Lewis Hamilton moving to Scuderia Ferrari. It almost didn't go away. It was like background noise. But this time we had to take it seriously because the reporters that were reporting on it, a chap called Donadoni and a chap called Decazi, if I've pronounced that correct, are ironclad. You couldn't be more certain if you got the rumours from Enzo Ferrari himself. That's how deeply embedded these reporters are in that Ferrari camp. And so it felt a little bit different to your normal your normal run-of-the-mill rumour. This was different all of a sudden. 4am on Thursday morning when Baxter was texting me. It, it was just different. It was different and it turns out that it was real. And we've gone through the bloody reasons. Money is there. The multi-year contract is there. Flipping aspirations of driving the red car. Lewis Hamilton's brand. New challenges. Well, I haven't talked about that. Sometimes you've got to freshen up, eh? Sometimes things get stuck. You know, like when you start a new job and the first six months are like, everything's brand new and you've got a lot to learn. You're motivated to impress your boss and your new team and show them what you can do. There is a, there is new mover impetus. Momentum is gained from making these sorts of me. And listen, you could argue Lucy's has come out and said, sometimes I need to feel like I need to freshen it up. I'm 39 years old, maybe a new environment, new team that listens to me more about the des the, the direction of the, the, the design philosophy. Maybe freshening things up will help Lewis Hamilton. Maybe. I don't know, but it, it's a blockbuster move. It's brilliant for F1. The, the branch plots are so thick and, and, and deep. I'm, I'm, I want to see how they, I want to see how they rub up against each other. Charles and Lewis. I do. I do. I agree with says that I think Lewis will have the measure of him. If only because the tyre management thing. Let's remember, although that, that Scuderia Ferrari car is fast, particularly in qualifying, it has an issue eating its tyres in the race, doesn't it? And who better on the grid of those 20 drivers? If I ask you, which one of those 20 drivers has their, has as their strength tyre management and fending off tyre deck. Whichever driver comes to come to mind before Lewis Hamilton. So don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that Charles Leclerc won't nine times out of 10 beat Lewis Hamilton in quali. I think that's a given. Can take that one to the bank. But in the race, as far as managing the ostensible weaknesses of that Ferrari design philosophy, I think Lewis has it over Charles Leclerc each and every single time, not to mention strategy, not to mention the frequency of the mistakes strategically that Charles Leclerc makes. I, I'm listening if I'm putting my mortgage down on somebody on a Ferrari driver in 2025, right? it wouldn't be Charles Leclerc. Charles has got lots of advancements and developments to make. There are lots of learnings in there strategically. We saw Brazil qualifying last year. It's raining. No. Why are you on the wrong tyres, Shaw? Well, they put him on inters before time, didn't they? Go and bloody go and set a lap, mate. Like, what are you doing? Why, why so many times did Carlos Sainz find himself on the right strategy and Charles Leclerc on the wrong one? They race for the same team. It's got to be a question about Charles Leclerc's ability to manage a race in real time, and I think Lewis will take advantage of that. That's one thing that George has that Lewis won't miss when he goes across to Scuderia in 2025. I am keen. Do me a favor, guys. Smash that like and subscribe if you're not subscribed already because it's going to be a chaos 24 months, man. And I'm just, I'm I'm here and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to come to your comments in a minute. I've gone long. Look at me. 
35 minutes and still rabbiting on, but it's a deep subject and I just wanted to cover it from inception to completion because I think there are there are strands, there are branches of causality that not a lot of people are talking to. And I just figured I've been reading nonstop. You probably get that I've been doing my due diligence and I just kind of wanted to, I wanted to share it on here because ultimately the Cameron F1 channel is a one-stop shop for for news and debate and discourse, why's more than what's, how's. And I think it's really important that we get into the how it's happened. There are, I said it on the shakedown earlier on in the week, there are Lewis Hamilton diehards, Lewis Hamilton evangelists who will swear blind still today, even after, after it's been reported multiple times by reputable sources that this will never happen. They were saying that 12 months ago, that this will never happen. Lewis's diehard Mercedes and it will never happen. What they fail to realise, and again, some of them are new fans. I don't want to do the gatekeeping thing because everybody has a different route into F1. But I think the vast majority of those people that spoke like that, the Lewis Hamilton evangelists, weren't around in 2012. Because if you know the risk, I remember the risk that he was taking. I thought it was a nonsense move. You're not a McLaren driver. You don't leave McLaren to go across to a losing Mercedes. Okay, so it worked out with the benefit of hindsight. But at the time, the general consensus that Lewis is a madman, even with the new rules and regulations, and obviously the split turbo was in the pipeline for Mercedes, and that gave them circa anywhere between 60 and 80 brake horsepower over the next best Red Bull. It worked out in the end, but at the time, if you were there in 2012, you would know that you thought Lewis, and knew anything about F1, Lewis Hamilton appeared to be a madman. That's not a decision that you make. What, McLaren to Mercedes? A losing Mercedes team and a, a McLaren team with like the depth of prestige to match a Ferrari or any other team on the grid. You don't do that. It was crazy. That dude is a risk. Have you seen, you've seen Lewis Hamilton jumping out of planes and doing all these like crazy, like these, um, these daredevil stunt, like he's a risk seeker fundamentally, fundamentally, and he enjoys new challenge. If he wasn't, were he not, he wouldn't have moved from Mercedes, from McLaren to Mercedes even. He wouldn't have, wouldn't have took the risk. I wouldn't have took that risk because I'm too risk averse. So once you know that, once that's bank knowledge and sunk cost, you understand that Lewis in his DNA fundamentally has it in him to make a similar move. And that's ultimately what happened. Favorable terms, a couple, two, three years left in his career, uh, an aspiration to do what Senna never got the opportunity to do and drive for the red team in that red car. That's his dream. Of course, you got to fulfill it, Lewis. I'm like, I don't, I don't hate it, peddlers. I do not hate it. It's going to be interesting to see, though. Uh, culturally, he's going to learn language. You imagine him rocking up in his his garms, his clothes that he's going to rock up on a race weekend. He's going to be off. That the Italian photographer is going to be there. The the symbiosis between the two brands is going to be like, oh, it's going to be chaos. I I can't wait to see. It. I can't even wait to see. How, what's it going to look like this year, peddlers? What like? Just stay of execution. Like, what? What are the team orders going to be? Is are they going to? Is Lewis going to get the George is faster than you, Lewis? Move over. Can you imagine Bono telling Lewis that? 
What's George's demeanor going to be like already? He's pasted a couple of images talking about how he wants Carlos Sainz to be his teammate and all this stuff. It's a crossover that everybody wants to see, etc., etc. Who knows, man? It's um, the plot lines and excitement just on the back of this are limitless. Finally, before I get to some of your, your chat, I've gone long again, haven't I, peddlers? I apologize for being a poor chairman, but you know, you know, when we get into it like this, it's just it's sumptuous, it's like chef's kiss, so juicy and deep are the narratives and plot lines. Who's going to replace Lewis at Mercedes? I have no idea. I have no idea. There are numerous theories. So I think the bookmaker's favourite probably would be Alex Albon. Esteban Ocon has been talked about. But I think the one that intrigues me most, Kimi Antonelli, not now, because obviously he's a young buck and he's just going into F2. It will be interesting to see how he does in F2. Let's hypothesise for a second that Kimi Antonelli wins F2 in his maiden season at the ripe old age of seven years old or whatever he is, 17, 18. Toto rule size will be like next Max Verstappen. I still think Toto, I still think not signing Max Verstappen keeps Toto up at night. Again, with his 10 to 15 year horizon lens on, I, I think he will rue massively not signing Max Verstappen. And then Kimi Antonelli, that's his, that's his opportunity as, as, as a shareholder to kind of make amends for that. If Kimi Antonelli is the next Max Verstappen or next Lewis Hamilton and Toto brings him in and in turn Kimi Antonelli ushers in the next era of Mercedes dominance, then all of a sudden it kind of makes sense. We'll look back five years down the road at this decision. This was the, uh, what's the footballing? And this was Liverpool selling Philippe Coutinho, like kind of like, I don't know, cutting the grass to usher in, burning down the trees to usher in the next generation of nature, the next generation of that's going to herald success, potentially, potentially. I don't know. I'd be keen to see Ant Kimi Antonelli in there. But then if it is because it's to be Kimi Antonelli, then you need somebody to, you need to plug a placeholder who's going to sit in that Mercedes seat for maybe two to three years. Does that look like Alex Albon? Carlos Sainz, maybe, maybe you get a young in and give him another one plus one, right? Or a two plus one, a two-year contract with an option to an extend. I find it fascinating that a lot of the, that these contracts are, before it was long-term contracts, right? It was always like five years, especially for like Lando and Charles, like your main protagonist. Now, all of a sudden, all we're hearing about is like two and two or a one and one, like what was offered to, to Lewis fascinating that fascinating i almost i i feel bad for mercedes because i think their play was sound but they underestimated the the material valuable of the intangibles that come with a lewis hamilton and we'll find out mercedes looks a lot different without Merce, without lewis hamilton racing in that team right interest just goes like this conversely you will you will be aware on thursday morning Baxter asked a really good question on the shakedown. Why now? And the more that I do a deep dive into the circumstances in the lead up to, the news breaks officially. So it was rumoured in the on the morning of Thursday that Lewis was going to be at Scuderia Ferrari either 2024 or 2025. The news breaks officially by reputable sources. Circa like 10, 10.50, 11 o'clock 
GMT. Ferrari announced their full year results only about half an hour later. The response from the share price to, to both of those bits of news combined was to do one of these. Six billion was the increase in the market capitalization. Now, lots of financial analysts are saying that that's entirely because Ferrari's full year results are really, really good, particularly their net profit and their forecast going forward is that they're going to be like their, their sales pipeline for their cars is like bonkers. A portion of that six billion increase in their market capitalization, six billion euros, by the way, market capitalization is how much the company is worth if it sold all its assets for today. Six billion, some of that absolutely is because of the rumor, now broken news, that Lewis Hamilton was joining Scuderia Ferrari in in 2025 conversely have you seen mercedes share price okay so it didn't tank i exaggerate but it didn't go up didn't do a ferrari i'll tell you that much and this is this is the brand value that comes with a lewis hamilton he's a one of one isn't he he's a one of one you guys have heard me talk glowingly about michael schumacher very similar to michael jordan right michael jordan for basketball for those of you uh multi-sports fan michael michael jordan was the guy to take the nba to the masses no longer was it just diehard basketball fans who are watching basketball my wife would watch it and do you know what i mean new fans were attracted to it to see what michael was going to do boxing similar with mike tyson f1's first crossover star for me for my money was michael schumacher okay 2000 to 2004 wasn't the they weren't the most riveting seasons. You kind of knew what was going to happen before before a wheel was turned on Sunday. But that being said, Michael was such a blockbuster star that he was still attracting new art. He was one of the first... My era F1 from early 90s onwards, Michael was the first one to kind of... Senna also, but again, Senna's tragic passing curtailed that. But Michael was the first one to break F1 into the... Me Can you imagine if Michael Schumacher's around today with social media and Twitter and WhatsApp and bloody... It'd be bonkers. Michael Schumacher, the way he moved on track and the, the stuff that Jack Villeneuve, Jerez 97, 94, Adelaide with Damon Hill, the things that he was prepared to do and the lengths that he was prepared to take it to. Social media would be bonkers with Michael Schumacher, viral moments each and every single time. He was the next one after Schumacher. Vettel had a good crack at it, but I don't think Vettel won and nobody can debate Vettel's success. 2010 to 2013, four-time champion, not too many of those knocking around, but I don't think he broke the mainstream like Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton did shortly thereafter. Lewis Hamilton is a true mainstream stuff you only need to see his like impressions and his followers on instagram and again like the diehards will poo poo those sort of things but they matter in an era when liberty are so keen to grow the market taking f1 to new territories with a view to capitalize on, on, on monetizing the assets and the brand lewis hamilton it is kind of what f1 needs and lewis hamilton and Luxury brand Scuderia Ferrari, chaos. You can't can't write it. It's like twenty twenty one all over again, peddlers. It, it's this. It's this. Um, you you can't write it. 
It's almost too brilliant. They wouldn't believe you. Lewis Hamilton brand in the red car, Scuderia Ferrari, 100 million US dollar contract, ambassador, bloody diversity and inclusion. It just, it, it, it screams to the mainstream media, look at me. And that's why you saw all those views on bloody YouTube. That's why everyone, every man and their dog was searching for Lewis Hamilton content. That's why I was getting messages from friends over the course of Thursday and Friday asking me what's going on because all of a sudden everybody cares about F1. For 24, 48 hours at least, everybody wanted to know what's going on. Is it true? What does this mean? New eyes have been drawn to F1 and some of those fans will stay. Some of those fans will go, but this is what F1 needed. What's going to happen? What is going to happen next year? What is going to happen in 2024? These are all questions that need answering. And to answer those, you've got to get your Sky subscription out or your F1 TV because you're going to, you'd want to watch. And anyone who's here, what Cameron's saying and Nasher of Quick Stop F1, like it, it just a rising tide floats all ships. And that's what we're seeing. I've gone long, peddlers. I do apologize. Let's talk for 10 minutes about it because I wanted to read again housekeeping anytime i do one of these on the community tab i will put a post if you've got questions or you want anything raising urgently get in those but for now let me read some of your comments and the content you know what before i read your comments the content that's come out on the back of this my guy tomo bashed out the two videos straight away bloody quick stuff like everybody was killing it right i was like oh my god f1 nation a really fascinating catch up with f1 nation tom clarkson lawrence Pareto, rob smedley i would recommend listening to that the race have been absolutely killing it as well all your usual outlets it's a really good race video actually that i've been i've been binge watching it's about 10 minute long video i cannot remember the title but it talks about probably not their latest upload but the one before last where they're talking about how Mercedes fell off. Like what were the, uh, what were the engineering and aerodynamic principles that let them down? How did they find themselves barking at the wrong tree? Why were they success so successful all of a sudden during a turbo hybrid era? What did they nail? What did they get so right and then get so wrong thereafter? It's a brilliant video. Shout out to my guys at the race, Scott, Scott Mitchell. Mansell, I think the chap's name is. Clinton, what's going on, chap? I would talk to it. Let's talk now. Can't call these videos live chats, Cameron, and they're not not chat. What are you playing at? But I did want to cover you guys know me. Like I wanted to cover that properly, comprehensively, because I feel like I feel like that's been missing in the space. I haven't really heard any but yeah, the rumor and hypotheticals. My guy Peter Windsor's nailed it really. Like he he killed it. Killed it quite com quite thoroughly and comprehensively. But yeah, and still there were aspects of this deal that were moving parts that I didn't feel had been covered. And so in this video, I wanted to kind of nail each and every single one of them holistically because there were lots of moving parts in this. And if you understand them properly, it's not such a big surprise, a massive blockbuster move. What this means for F1, you can't package nor resell. It's humongous. But I, I'm, as a content creator and a, a F1 fan, part-time diehard, part-time casual, I, I really wanted to get down to the brass tacks of it, to the whys more than the what's. So I'm hoping you guys enjoyed that. Matt Mork, Adrian New to Ferrari 2025. 
it is an option. There is a, uh, you guys can peruse your social medias. There was a post that was waxing lyrical about the move and, and hypothesizing whether Lewis, together with Ferrari, together with Frederick Vasseur, together with Charles Leclerc. Oh my God, even saying it like that, it's even more bonkers, isn't it? It is bonkers. But those lot together, do they have the cachet sufficient to prize an Adrian Newey away from Red Bull? Because he's similar to Lewis, right? He's always fancied it. He has always fancied it. We've heard him on multiple occasions saying that, similar to Lewis, I don't know why it never happened at Ferrari. This is Adrian Newey I'm talking about now. Adrian Newey's missus, who's quite active on the Twitters, liked this post. Maybe maybe Adrian Newey's it. Maybe Adrian News misses might be instrumental in getting Adrian. Can you imagine? And that's too powerful then. That's too powerful. But there's conversation about, there is a conversation about Adrian News' involvement. How much is he holding the pen? Because if you speak to guys that work at Red Bull, confidentially, allegedly, some of them will tell you that he, he's kind of like the, he's the manager that oversees it. But as far as like the groundwork, he, he doesn't, actually do that i mean they've they've repurposed his role isn't he? he's focused on the rb17 or whatever that red bull hypercar so how much he's a genius let me not underplay adrian knew his involvement but christian horner said it on multiple occasions now recently that adrian is the the figurehead the genius behind it all but there are multiple other personnel who are potentially equally as instrumental in designing that Geniusly aerodynamic Red Bull car. Right, let me read out some. Chad, what's going on? I hear you, but I'm here. Right, what's Madeline saying? I'm going backwards. Let's talk. 164 of you watching concurrently. Do me a favor and smash the like. Border favored because it really helps. Really, really helps. We're looking to go nuclear. I shouldn't crack that joke, is it? There's too much things going on in the world. It's poor form from Cameron. Madeline says Red Bull is Nui's home and family. He will only leave them. If he if he retires, no reason for him to join Ferrari. Only only wishful thinking from a loser. See, the thing is, Madeline, you could switch. You've said you've cited Newey there. You could switch Newey for Hamilton, and rewind back seven days, and the same would have been true, right? The intangibles make a difference here. There is a certain mystique and aura around Scuderia Ferrari that you can't like. You can't replicate it. Whatever Mercedes do and McLaren do, they can never be Scuderia Ferrari. And Adrian Newey, when you listen to him talk, listen to his interviews, Adrian Newey is acutely aware of that. Every time he talks about Ferrari and the allure that that team comes with, he, he gets that twinkle in his eye, doesn't he? Can't you, you can't be an F1 fan or an F1, uh, 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 a person that works in F1 was worked in F1 as long as Newey has and not fall foul to that that kind of Pied Piper mystique that comes with Ferrari. Patrick Camp, Merck has to give Lewis an eighth to save face and then be faster than Ferrari the years are. So you know what, Patrick, I've heard Toto, to, listen, and Baxley noted this on a, a couple of shakedowns ago, the way it almost sounded like Toto was pleading, like he was pitching at Lewis to stay right. When he said something to the effect of, listen, I'm, I'm invested in getting Lewis Hamilton the eighth. When he said it like seven to 10 days ago, 
It almost sounded like, not forced, it sounded a tad contrived, like there was more than, there was more to the, what was his reason for saying that, like, in the way that he said it? There was more to it that we didn't know at the time. And clearly he was, he was, I think he was aware. He would have had conversations with Luce. He'd have been aware that contract negotiations were ongoing. The outcome of which was him imploring Lewis to stay so that they can win an eighth and kind of loop the circle in public. Techie. Very, very techie. I don't know. Chad says, Cam, do you believe Lewis will be in? Don't give two people. Uh, don't give a fudge. Um, Chad asks, will, will Lewis give a fudge this year against Russell? It's an interesting one, you know, Chad. I think... I can't speculate. You know, I've always said that I feel like Lewis, when Lewis go, oh, we're going to get techie. Uh, okay, of course, we're going to have to go off on a match for Stappen instead. I've always said that I feel like Lewis's Achilles head. He's almost like he's too nice as a person. Cares too much. He's very altruistic, isn't he? See that in the way he moves and the amount of time outside the cockpit that he spends on all of these like... Um, charitable ventures and diversity and the Hamilton Commission and Project for Mission 44 and whatever else. And I feel like at, at, as he's matured, he's almost become not tame as a driver, but he's, he's, been, oh, you guys get what I'm getting at. Um, and so I think his natural inclination with that in mind, he's, he's who he is as a person, as a human being, as a man. I almost think he's, he's by default, he'll want to uplift George, right? I think he'll still want to beat George. He'll still want to win a title. Don't get it twisted. But if, as I expect, the 48-month lead time, as far as Mercedes' design philosophy, the gap that they've given the rest, not just 24 months that they haven't been developing, but 24 months that the rest have been, if that 48-month lead time is too big a mountain for Mercedes to climb, to be competitive, as I suspect it will. If they're competing for like fourth and fifth, I think Lewis is too nice a guy to to quabble over like eight points with George. He doesn't care, right? Lewis becomes, Lewis is in full form only when he's fighting for 25 points and by extension, a championship over the course of 24 races. That's when you get 10 tenths Lewis Hamilton. And if if they haven't provided him with that, as I don't think they will be able to, it's too big a ask to expect Mercedes to turn around that deficit. It's a big deficit, peddlers. It's a big deficit. If you look at the super times, I'll try and draw up something. I was doing a bit of research before and and my guys at the race have published a really, really good um, graphic that I probably should have brought up here behind me. But you'll forgive me for my lack of preparation, peddlers. Um, the race have got on one of their latest videos, and again, you can tell that I watch a lot of them. Those guys pulled up a graphic. Um, so they're doing super times, aren't they? So average performance over 2023 Ferrari were 0.27 adrift of Red Bull-ish. Mercedes, 0.526 adrift. So fine margins, but nevertheless, I say all that to say that, that Ferrari had the better package, particularly in qualifying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't hate it. Um, anyone says, Cam, do you think Loic Serra will be an advantage to Ferrari 
and disadvantage to Mercedes in terms of engine development. Heron, I've got to be honest, I've heard a lot of good things about Loic, but I, I like to talk to these key issues from with first-hand evidence. I don't know a lot about him. I understand that he was instrumental in the decision-making process of Lewis going over, if not because he'd listened to Lewis Hamilton when Mercedes were barking up the wrong design philosophy tree. Peter Windsor says he's pretty handy and probably Peter vouches for him, then he, he probably knows what he's doing. And then, I don't know if you're going to bloody Monday morning quarterback, he was right, wasn't he? Mercedes were barking up the wrong design philosophy tree. They were. Madeline, Cam, do you think Lewis will have had a toxic relationship, will have a toxic relationship with Leclerc like he had with Alonso, Rosberg and Russell? So, you know, I've just talked about Lewis, right? And he's nice guy in us. I think, they, I think they're a match. I think Lewis and Charles are very similar in their their fundamental constitution. They're both nice guys. But conversely, I think that might be their Achilles. If you're talking about... We're talking about winning championships here, Alan Iverson. We're talking about practice. We're talking about winning championships here. That's the overall, that's the context. That's the frame with which, within which we have this conversation. And if we are talking about winning championships, then a common trait that most championships have is they can they can be a bit nasty, can't they? They can be a bit nasty. Think Senna. Suzuka, when he took Prost off and kept his bloody foot in the throttle, even when they were both in the barrier. Schumacher, Adelaide, 94. We've, they've got that, not that, mm, I want to win at all costs. And I think Lewis back in 2007 had that. I think he probably still has it. But if you're, if you're talking about complementary traits of the Ferrari team pairing in 2025, then that might be, for me, speculating that might be their softer underbelly might be cbd what's going on charles is the the most fair and honest teammate lewis can ask for cbd i agree with you bro i agree with you wholeheartedly and i think that's why i said on the shakedown this week right knowing that he won't have to deal with a cantankerous competitive fiercely competitive um killer racer a dude that's constantly flittering and tinkering with strategy in the middle of the race, knowing that you won't have to deal with that and counter that, will I think Lewis will sleep a lot better in 2025 because Charles offers a very different set of challenges, but they're mainly like they're kind of straightforward to deal with, right? He's going to be blisteringly quick in qualifying and blisteringly quick in the race. And I feel like that's almost the full gamut of, of the problems that he offers a teammate. You guys let me know. Is there another, is there a problem? Is there another Charles Char Leclerc strength that I'm missing? Maybe I'm, if Shez were on here, Shez would say that I'm under, I'm underplaying his pace. His pace is a big deal. He's blockbuster as well, man. But do you fear Charles Leclerc's ability to build a team around him necessarily? Not really. Not from what I've seen, at least. I think Carlos Sainz has that team. Like in a strategy, you seem like, do you know what I mean? I feel like Carlos Sainz is the assertive strategy type. Said for the longest time, if Charles Leclerc could somehow steal that trait from Carlos Sainz Jr., then he'd become the perfect driver. He'd have everything. But for now, as at February 2024, I think that's a that's a learning piece for Charles Leclerc. 
and Lewis Hamilton would be keen to take advantage of that. Chad, quick intro to the uh, wishful thinking. Little Grey Squirrel says, I'll go for another couple of minutes, guys, but I am going to have to run. Gone 64 minutes. What am I talking about? I'm going to go 45 minutes and then I'm running away as if. Behave yourself, Cameron. But these are live chats, so sometimes I've got to do. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Madeline. I don't think that, I don't think in summary that the pairing in 2025 at Ferrari, toxic is the one thing that they're probably not. Just different. CVD, Sean, read that on. Rayhan, but Lewis can also be brutal when it comes to letting the team know that they are doing it wrong. Well, he'd run out of patience, hadn't he, Rayhan? I mean, you look at Max Verstappen in stark contrast. He's got like the, underneath him last year, he had one of the most dominant cars that we've ever seen in all of F1 since its inception in 1950. Statistically, the most dominant car, even more so than the bloody McLaren MP44, which very nearly run all 16 races or whatever that year, or 14 races that year. And yet, and still in Singapore, when they were having difficulties, Max had zero compunction at telling the team what for. Can't drive the car. No stability. Said it clean without compunction. Smashed the team. So like the, I don't think Lewis is like, I think Lewis has been like patron saint level patience with that team. 24 months and they haven't produced a car that can win races consistently. Nor have they been going in the right de developmental direction. And Lewis is still like, you know what I mean? The occasional outburst. For the most part, though, Lewis is like, yeah, come on, team. Keep pushing. We'll get back to the thank you so much, team. Great pit stops. He's very positive, at least before the world's press and media are over the team radio. He's very like, do you know what I mean? He, I don't think, I think he's been losing patience, but we haven't seen it, I think is the point I'm trying to make. Roman's Ferrari dream. Bloody no, can Roman come back? It's a great name though. Greetings from Colombia. Okay, well, I said, it's better que todo bien, Roman's. Um, Toto assumed that the e that the zero pod would allow Lewis to ride off into the sunset with number eight, number nine, really. George takes over the baton, but he's not, He's not really a number one, more of a 1.15. So I think similar story, Roman, that um, he will continue to develop Roni George. He's still very young. I think that, oh, the zero pod in retrospect. I can't even get into that, Roman, because it's too traumatic still. Um, oh, the zero pod. You know, I can't even hate them going up that direction the first year. 2022, the zero pod is a forgivable mistake, but that they rolled it through to 2023 is absolutely unforgivable. They were like, they allowed the, the, the mirage that was the W13's performance in a very strict set of circumstances and parameters to distract them from the task at hand. Adrian knew, I've been listening to a lot of Adrian over the course of the last few weeks, and Adrian always talks about a stable platform. Give the, give the best drivers a stable platform so that he can extract the most out of that car. A stable platform at all, uh, as, as many corners as you can, right? Make sure it's stable and... What's the word that I'm looking for? You need a you need a, a chassis that's malleable and can contend with lots of variables. If you build a car that's absolutely a rocket ship at Brazil once a year, 
then you haven't built you haven't built a proper race car. You know, build a proper race car that's adaptable and can do well around the corners that you see most frequently on the the calendar in 2023. Mercedes didn't do that with that zero pod. They were reaching for this this mythical upper echelon performance that materialized like once every 365 days. And I think that's unacceptable, quite frankly, Roman. Charles Lewis will face the same issue with Charles as he's facing with Russell right now. I think it's very different issues. Michael, sorry if I pronounce your name incorrectly. I think it's a very different, I think Charles is much faster than George. I feel like he's much more, he's much rawer strategically in terms of his thinking and his ability to manage a race. He doesn't, George does that um, with much more aplomb. He leans into that, does, does George. That's his strength, isn't it? Um, I feel like it's a completely different set of problems. But again, I still contend that I think Lewis will sleep better at night dealing with Charles than he would George. Just my gut feeling. Um, Chad, definitely not very different drivers, very different personality. I would agree with that, Chad. Corey, I'm going to read out a couple more and then I'm running away before I get and divorce. Further uh, spending too long streaming on YouTube, talking to you guys. Um, Cryptic, Le- Leclerc destroyed Vettel so bad that they had to undo number two driver status. And after a few races, he he will be Lewis's fastest teammate. True, but Cryptic, as I've already, as already aforementioned, there's much more to winning a, winning a 24 race season than speed. Charles can do it on any given Sunday, but can he sustain it over the course of 24 races? That's my concern with Charles Leclerc, as brilliant as he is. How would science fare at Red Bull, Sophia says? Oh, dear. Carlos Sainz is the, the odd man out in all of this, isn't he? I hope... I. I feel like even as I've been talking, I, I've, I've barely said Science's name and I feel like that's a disrespect to Carlos Science because he offers a very unique set of problems as an F1 driver. Okay, so he might not be as um, balls out quick as Charles Leclerc, but he, he saw he didn't end up on the wrong tyres in Brazil qualifying last year. He was on the right set at the right time per Martin Bundle. He, he didn't do that. You saw Monaco in 2021 when he made the right calls at the right time. He wasn't doing two pit stops. He was doing one and he was coming in for the wets. You know what I mean? All the dries, the slicks as it was. He 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 gets it and he works his way. This is the bloody compare and contrast between uh, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats when you're looking at Charles Leclerc versus his teammate Carlos Sainz. He almost does what Charles does really well drive the car very fast. Carlos doesn't really get. And what Carlos does really well, think his way through a race, um, be nimble in terms of his implementing strategy and changing between strategies. You remember when he was overtaking Checo that time, he just shut down the, the pit radio when it was like, don't talk to me as I'm overtaking. Like he's quite assertive and Charles doesn't have that trait, not just yet at least. Um, Clinton, do you think Qatar 2023 was the end the collision on softs of the public apology accepting all the blame. So Clinton, I think, legend, friend of the channel, by the way, Clinton. Thank you, bro. Um, it's easy, Clinton, to look back and think that that was the end in retrospect. 
But I think Lewis, I mean, this isn't Lewis's first rodeo as far as collisions with teammates, right? Nico Rosberg, 2016, there were many. Barcelona comes to mind. I think Turkey was another one where they had love kisses. Um, Lewis will understand that you can't, that's the cost of doing business. If you've got a quick teammate, at some point you're going to have a coming together. It, I think the circumstances around that coming together won't have sat well with Lewis, particularly if they had the meeting earlier that morning and had agreed that Lewis on softer compound tires should almost be given a chance to make that strategy work. That's the conversation they did have. And then George didn't jump out the way. I could see why Lewis would be a bit irked by that. But then Lewis is a, Lewis at core is a racer and will always be a racer long after he's retired from Formula One. He's, he spent all his life in carts and bloody four wheel. You know what I mean? He's a proper racer. So looking back at that incident, Lewis will know that it was, do you know what I mean? It was, if you're going to apportion blame, racing incident is the term to use, but if you're going to apportion blame there, I think Lewis will know watching back that video that it, his, his, ang his turning angle was too acute for the racing circumstance that presented itself. Um, I, I do, Clinton, I spoke to you already, but I just think there were better options, man. Like when you look at it, when you weigh up face value, you know, you've got a key decision to make and you just weigh up the, the key criteria. Mercedes, rubbish car, design guys aren't listening to me. George Russell causing me, like keeping me up at night, always turning around the strategy. No ambassadorial role. Um, no multi-year contract. On the other side of that chart, you look at Ferrari, ambassadorial role, massive, up, massive upside at the brand, massive opportunity to make all these diversity hires and uh, the, the, the glass ceiling is much higher as far as change to implement than at Mercedes. Multi-year deal offered, but ambassadorial role, 100 million US dollars per year, the allure and aspirations and prestige that comes, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Put like that. I should have bloody wrapped it up in those in those words. It's just a no-brainer. Put like that. You don't even need to, it's not a question. Where do I sign up is what I'm saying if I'm Lewis Hamilton. And I think the multi-year deal and the ambassador or probably the cherry on top of a quicker car. I mean, and some are speculating that with the new rules and regs that Ferrari are, are well positioned to take advantage and make another leap on Red Bull. I don't know. We're speculating, aren't we? No more title to protect Lewis at Ferrari. But Frederick Vasseur, Madeline, some people would argue is almost closer. They, uh, their links uh, are more historic between Frederick Vasseur and Lewis Hamilton than they are Lewis and Toto, right? ART. Frederick was team principal at ART when Lewis won GP2 and F3. Big Evil says, Lewis did, did this two years too late. He should have gone. To, I don't hate that, you know, Big Evil. I don't hate that. But, uh, but again, Lewis is altruistic and a nice guy. He's not going to, he doesn't want to jump ship. But when he did his like compare and contrast, his, his analytics, what, ambassadorial role, multi-year contract, 100 million USD when Mercedes were probably looking to pay him anywhere between 55 and 60, double your money, plus the brand. <gasps> Bonkers. You can't, um, you can't replicate that. Tell us, do me a favor and smash the like. 
Five minutes and I'm running away. 168 of you watching concurrently, man. I appreciate you. Each and every single one of you to the moon and back. I love doing these chats. Yeah, me just rabbiting on about all things F1 all the time. And in this week, in the week that was with what's happened, bloody Nora, like, come on. Corey says, science wouldn't beat Max, but he'd put up a fight. I think, you know what, Corey, you make a good point. I think yeah, styles make fights, they say in boxing. And I think Carlos, I think Carlos would pose an interesting set of problems to Max. I'm not going to beat him in, in outright pace terms, but like if you think Sandvor when it was raining and all, like there are a lot of races when there's safety car and all these, all these changing variables that that keen minds, that agile thinkers can take advantage of. And I think if I'm if I'm ranking Carlos and Max in terms of their ability to make a quick strategic change in the middle of the race, I'd probably rank, probably give that to Carlos if I'm only. Every other metric you're going to give to Max, but I think Carlos, I rate Carlos's ability to think his way for a race. Think Monaco. Monaco 2022. That will tell you all you need to know about that. Many says, do you think AD 21 would have happened in the front? Oh, many. So we go in there. Are we going there? I was going to, I was talking to Baxter and she was going to draft up like a, a, a list of things that Luis Evangelist say versus Maximilis, Max Maximilis. And AD21 is like, uh, if somebody's talking about AD21, then you know for sure that they fit into one of those two categories. It's an interesting thing. You guys know that FIA stood for the longest time. The joke was that it was Ferrari International Assistance rather than Federación Internacional Automobilista or whatever it stands for. I don't actually know that. Um, maybe not. Maybe not, Menace. But you just don't know, man. I don't know. It's almost a, it's almost fool's gold to go back and speculate on the on the call, like what, what might have happened had Lewis been in a different car, what might have happened had there been a different circuit. I tell you what, in fact, I'm not even going to go into Abu Dhabi's too much now. <laughs> I'm looking to round off and you just asked me a question there, Menace, that will take me deep. Um, oh, Chad, you're a legend. I appreciate that, man. Have a fantastic Sabado. Piastri is also a question mark here. Where did he go? Maybe Piastri fancies himself a Mercedes. His team manager's never been adverse or averse, a cheeky change as per the move from Alpine last minute to McLaren. I don't know. Tony says, Charles is fast. I, you know what? I'll tell you what, Tony, before I answer your question, it really upsets me the way that people say Charles Leclerc. <laughs> English eyes, English eyes, anglicize his name. I think I understand the way to pronounce it that I sometimes mess up. Charles Leclerc. You know, like the, the woman's name, Claire. Charles Leclerc. Um, Watch me go and anglicise it now. Charles is fast. I'm a big fan, but he's no Lewis in terms of consistency. He just makes too many mistakes. My sentiments exactly, Tony, as I expounded upon on the latest episode of The Shakedown. Go and check that out if you haven't already. Already the last couple and I'm going to run away and be a husband and a present father. Masquerade as those two things for a bit. The Dutch Grand Prix 2022 could have been the first crack in the team. More so than a W13 repeat of Abu Dhabi. Um, 2022. 
Oh, so that was when, so I think Clinton's referring to the time when uh, Lewis was out in front, wasn't he? This was probably, I suppose we, Brazil, George won that year, but this was probably Lewis's. It looked at the time like it was Lewis's best chance of a win. It was like the closing stage of the race. Lewis was out in front on rapidly degrading tyres, older tyres. Max had come in off the back of the safety car, put on a fresh set of tyres. And George was, uh, Lewis had hoped that George would stay out and be the meat in a Lewis-Max sandwich and play rear gunner to Max. Ultimately though, Clinton, I don't think, I thought the same in real time. But I think looking back on the circumstance, that is the Dutch Grand Prix 2022. I feel like Max would have got them both anyway. And I've always said this, I can't hate, I'm not a big fan of George, but I um, I cannot hate George for trying to optimise for his circumstance in the race. How dare George as an F1 driver want 25 points over the weekend, even if that is to the detriment of his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. What are we doing here? Like, are we F1 fans or are we F1 fans? Like, how do we expect... I don't want for another driver to wipe Lewis Hamilton's bottom for him. Why should George have stayed out and played rear gun? Nah, man, he's going to do his thing. Tomo! The legend that is... Tomo, I was talking about you earlier, bruv. The rapidity with which you banged out those two videos in the broader context of this decision, this, this instance of Lewis Hamilton moving Scuderia Ferrari, being a rising, t- a rising tide um, that floats all boats. It's been mega, hasn't it? And go and watch Tom. Not that you guys aren't already subscribed to Tom. Go and, go and subscribe to Tom. Some of the market-leading content. How are you feeling as a fan of Hamilton? Tom says, oh, bloody. Tom, I'm excited, bruv. I wish that Lewis was jumping into that car in 2024 can't happen soon enough man i want to see racing i want to see charles and lewis in the same set of overalls both jumping to the red car can you imagine holy smokes talk about blockbuster if ever a sport needed this much needed injection of life and excitement and something different and stakes and story f1 in 2024 was that i'm on it I'm I'm all over it. Slow pat being French Canadian, I can confirm your pronunciation of Leclerc. I'm not very. I don't. I don't get that bit though, do I? Leclerc. I'll, I'll practice slow pat. I promise. But according to Peter Windsor, Charles prefers it to be said with the hard C. So I watched a video. I I don't like as a a dual language speaker. I don't like getting these things wrong. Makes me feel naughty. So I watched Charles Leclerc ask the question, how do you pronounce it? There's a video on YouTube somewhere. And he said, Charles Leclerc. Leclerc. <laughs> Charles Leclerc. Just Leclerc, I think. Strike while the eye in his heart says that, Tomo, you're a gangster, but I'm telling you. Rapid. Hardest working man in the game is Tomo. Just, just, uh, if you're not watching him already, 300k deep on a the subscription, then that's what market leading contact looks content looks like right i'm gonna run Corey. it will be epic it will be absolutely epic and i can't wait i can't even wait for 2025 obviously is when he finally jumps into that scuderia ferrari car after dreaming of it all his life but i can't wait for this season to kick off now speaking to a lot of diehards and part-time casuals like myself like 
This season was a bit of a write-off, wasn't it? Nobody's going to challenge Max, let's be honest. And you kind of, it gets a bit stale. We need stakes and uncertainty. If I rock up on Sunday, I said this already, I will repeat it for the avoidance of doubt. If I wake up on a Sunday morning and I know, if I'm 99% sure who's going to win the Grand Prix, then what, what, what's the, where's my why to watch? Do something else with that two hours and the rest of the bloody hours that weekend with flipping free practice. You need to, there needs to be something. How are George and, and, and Lewis going to look now? with Lewis's 12-month stay of execution. What's that going to look like? What's the dynamic going to be? What are the, the communications going to be like, both in the presser before the race and over the radio? It's just chaos. What's Carlos Sainz going to look like? Who's angling for that seat? Going to be chaos. Absolutely going to... Yeah, Clinton, you know what? I should have, I should have referenced you, brothers, as a, as a resident French speaker, Leclerc, right? You would know better than me. Anyway, guys, I'm going to run. Thank you so much for watching. Do me a favor. If you haven't smashed smashed the like already, smash it on your way out. We're back at some point. I'm going to start to try and do one of these a week or when a, a decent bit of news breaks. More conversations with the legend that is Peter Windsor um, coming soon. Shakedown next week with Shez and Baxter. You guys have been legends. Do me a favor between now and next time. Remember, as always, peddlers, hug somebody that you love and look but never stare.